Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because Bitch I'm Stylish, Glock Tucked, Big T-Shirt, Billie Eilish. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh, hell yeah, my thickies. Welcome to the show, everyone. Recording, as always, at Thickness Central. We've hit Season 3, Episode 7 of the show. And on this episode, this will be the last doubled up episode. So we're going to hop back into regular size goodness after this episode. As always, we start with the city shoutouts. Thanks to our friends in Ashburn, Virginia for checking out the show. Hi to those in Great Falls, Montana. Thanks so much. Hey, Perth, Australia. Thank you for checking out the show. Love getting those Australia listens. Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you guys for checking out the show. Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Right over by my hometown. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Back again. Love seeing you on the list. And new listeners, Thornhill, Canada. Thanks, everyone, for checking out the show and coming back over and over again. And now we're going to hop over to Mike's Thickometer. Oh, yeah, Mike's Thickometer. So thick, I call it Thick Pavetta. This week clocks in at a 9 out of 10. Substantial thickness. It's, it's pretty thick. It's pretty damn thick. This week features 17 books, and Stack again has a Marvel advantage, so this week we're going to shake it up and start with the DC books, starting with Batgirls number 7. The Batgirls and Nightwing move to help Seer. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Dick and Babs do their team-up thing, where it's revealed that Dick has committed a massive relationship sin by starting a show that they are watching together alone. Absolute violation, Nightwing. Way to live up to that first name, Dick. Anyway, they split up and go after different baddies while Steph and Cass get a static message and move in. Everyone kicks a ton of ass. Seer is rescued, and then she escapes the team. Pros start with the fact that it's an action-packed issue, and then end with the fact that we get some of the sweetness of the relationship between Batgirl and Nightwing. Cons are that Seer, a child, somehow gets the drop on experienced superheroes. A child! A child! Anyway, we're going to move on to Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League, Superman number one. Clark watches John grow up, and Arthur gets to be the dad he wants to be. I give this a 3.75 out of 5. There's a speed retelling of John growing up through this issue, but Clark actually gets to watch his son grow up and deals with those difficulties, which definitely resonates hard. It's almost like a Black Mercy story, but it's something else entirely. This and Aquaman makes me wonder if Pariah is somehow feeding off their pain. In Aquaman, there's a training before a wedding, an attempted assassination that is stopped, and then celebration. Arthur realizes this isn't real, but this galvanizes him for whatever is coming. Pros are the different artists on each story, as they were both able to shine. I also really like the Superman story. Something about fathers and sons, you know? Maybe it's because I have two sons as a father with two sons. You know. Cons, and this is all on me, is how lost I was with Aquaman. It's not a title I regularly read, if you've been listening to the show, but want to, and I know there's a ton of catching up that I need to do. Now we move on to Future State Gotham number 15, a whole bunch of Batman and a story in color. I give this a 2 out of 5. Batman fights Red Hood, and then Jason gets stabbed by Talia, 
Damien and Hush, both Batman, go after Batman, Jace, while Dick, Batman, is attacked by the Bat family. Second story is in color, and is cast busy being an absolute badass. Pros are the backup story for once. I loved how badass cast was, and that it was in color. It was just a nice little pop. Cons are that the writing was not it for me in the main story. This book hovers around drop candidates so much, and we might get there after this storyline wraps up. Now we're going to move on over to I Am Batman number 11, NYPD is corrupt, and a Gotham friend shows up. I give this a 3.25 out of 5. The NYPD turns on Chubb because she goes against Detective Dickhead, a.k.a. Detective Keenan. Tam debuts her new look with a cane, while Montoya shows up in NYC to chat with Chubb and talks about coming to NYC with the mayor as the new commissioner. Chubb gets cornered and asks for backup, but the police don't show, but Batman does. Chubb punches Keenan directly in the face after she gets back to the precinct. Turns out the mayor is in deep with someone called Mr. Dreadful, and then the question shows up with Batman to get answers to some questions. Pros are how I love that the three main pieces of the book are people of color, and they're all badasses in their own rights. Cons are that I'm not sure about the Fox family drama in relation to this book. It just seems amorphous right now. Now we have a look at Superman, son of Kal-El, number 13. Dreamer makes her debut. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. John takes Jay to the Fortress of Solitude where he can be safe after his identity was revealed. When they arrive, Dreamer is there waiting for them, where she shows them a future a couple of days away, where Bendix brutally wins. John reveals that he has spent time with one of her descendants and gives her the gauntlets to help her channel her powers. She also tells John that his dad will return. Turns out Bendix has Jay's mom and is going to teach him a lesson through her. Pros are the introduction of Dreamer. She was cool on Supergirl and her being trans elevates that part of the DCU. Cons are the revelation that Clark comes back. I'm kind of invested in Warworld and it's a little better if it has stakes, you know? Anyway, moving on to the final book here, Wonder Woman number 789, Cisco's plan has mixed results, and more young Diana. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Diana goes up against Villainy Incorporated as her friends are scattered about dealing with their own issues from this group. Diana fights Dolos as Steve, Siegfried, and Etta are all victims of Cisco's schemes. With Dr. Psycho, management steps in and deepens their mystery. In Young Diana, there are some burgeoning difficulties between mother and daughter. Pros are how much I underestimated Villainy Incorporated. They were playing chess the whole time, and I missed it. Well done. And for once, I enjoyed the theme in Young Diana. Cons are the whole glass menagerie thing, with, po with the possibility of her turning is very obvious, and I kind of hope it doesn't happen. Now, after a quick break, we're going to jump into the Marvel titles, so stick around. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. 
Hey everyone, Jesse here from The Twisted Cape. I wanted to take a minute to give a huge thank you to all of you that have supported us over the years, both here on Mike's Thick Stack and on The Twistcast. If you haven't already, you'd be doing us a huge favor by rating both shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you happen to be listening. And while you're dropping us that five-star rating, feel free to drop us a review letting us know what you like about the shows. Your feedback helps us to make the shows as fun as possible. All right, I've wasted enough of your time now. Back to the show. And we're back. Thanks so much for hanging out and checking out our stuff and stuff from our friends. Uh, it's great to have you guys along for the ride. Now we have a look at Captain Marvel number 39. Carol is on a magic trial and binary steps up. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Agatha Harkness leads a tribunal against Carol, who stripped Ove of his magical abilities. She's being represented by Wanda Maximoff, who gets her mouth stitched shut. Carol attempts to defend herself, but instead of being a trial for her guilt, it's a trial of her worth. They send her far away, stripped of memory of why she's there, and it seems to be a test to determine how she may save everyone in the future. Carol goes and slays a giant three-eyed dragon alien that she seems to be sent after, and then finds a baby alien three-eyed dragon. Meanwhile, in NYC, Jess finds Binary on the street, and they sit down to eat and talk. They get attacked in a sandwich shop by a bunch of vampire-type creatures, and Lariel shows up demanding to know where her sister is. Pros are the interesting new directions this seems to be heading in. Carol and Magic are an interesting combo that I'm happy we get to explore for a little bit. And the supporting cast actually gets a story. Cons for me are just the layout overall. I don't need mind a little back and forth, but it's like two halves of the same book. Just run it all together. Now we have a look at Daredevil number one. Chip and Marco get it moving again in more ways than one. Hey, gave this a 4.75 out of 5. There are two stories here. The second one with Elektra and Stick is about fulfilling the prophecy that Elektra has been teasing all along. The first story is a bit more crazy. There's a figure who has been hunting Matt. It also seems to have uh, several time jumps in here with Matt talking to someone later on as evidenced by having a full beard. Matt poses his mic with Butch which seems really shitty, and then outs himself as Spidey shows up to help. I love how Chip writes Spidey whenever he can. Matt decides to reveal his Daredevil identity to Spidey again, which Peter is sad that he can't reciprocate. In the meantime, the boys rip up some criminals across town one last time before Matt leaves town. At the end, Matt needs to go see Kirsten before she leaves town, as that mysterious figure from earlier shows up. Turns out it's Goldie, Robert Goldman, who knows Matt is Daredevil, and that's because he's Matt's guardian angel. We find this out as Kirsten's train explodes. Pros are how this book is packed with amazing stuff from front to back. It seems like we're in for a ride on this run. It looks great, it reads well, and it's gripping. Cons are few and far between, but the stick fights just feel so rehashed, and even then it still kind of manages to work out well. Now we have Avengers X-Men Eternals Eve of Judgment number one. This sets up this summer event. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Druig wanders around as Prime Eternal looking for an excuse really to take out the mutants who he sees as excess deviation. They prepare to send an antimatter bomb to Krakoa as the Eternals attempt to make some amends with the Deviants. Ajak and Makari try to talk Fastos into being some form of help for them, but he declines before they can realize that they were the ones that captured Sinister. As Thena communes with Crow, the Deviant, Cersei shows up and they discuss finding a new way. Druig attempts to send his bomb through, but cannot, so he does the next best thing. He goes to Uranus. 
Pros are the layers of writing and the overall setup of the summer event. It feels like it could be big, especially given all the developments of the X-Books right now and all the moving parts going on with, the, with these three teams. Cons are how focused this feels on just the Eternals. Honestly, I'm a little worried about the scope of this event, but we'll see how it turns out. Now we have a look at Fantastic Four, number 45, Reckoning War ends, but sets up something else. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. The Reckoning have been defeated, so there's the fallout that needs to happen. In the Apex, it looks like Reed survived. The Ultimate Nullifier took the Watcher abilities away from him. Johnny and Norrin take the McCran armor that is about to explode across the multiverse and throw it into Galactus's mouth. As the explosion starts to happen, Uatu levels up and becomes the only Watcher with all of the Watcher's abilities. Uatu opens things up past the edge of the universe to what will be called the Borderlands with so many exploration possibilities. Uatu returns the Jack of Hearts to She-Hulk, Galactus is reborn, as is the Destroyer which is taken back to Asgard. Everyone is put back in their place. Johnny is stuck with his powers at 11 and eventually goes with Sky back to Spire. Doom and Cormorant go their separate ways, with Cormorant watching over Ruin, Rapture, and Emnu. Franklin and Val come through the Forever Gate that Val builds, but Franklin upgrades himself back to his power set from before he lost them. Uatu puts the moon back together, allowing Nick Fury to be shield but on the moon. Finally, as almost a post credit scene, Doom comes back to Latveria ready to make his own Forever Gate. What could go wrong? Pros are how much unbelievable exposition is in this book. It's so crazy. At times it can be a little muddy, but otherwise, it's so content and character rich. Cons are that post credit scene. How are you going to drop that and then leave the book next issue? What are you doing, Dan? Can't do that to me, Dan Slot. Moving on, we have Immortal X Men number four. The mutants deal with the fallout of the resurrection news dropping. I gave this a 4 out of 5. This is an Emma and Sinister heavy issue. Emma is dealing with the PR fallout of the Immortality story getting out. Humans are pissed and they want Immortality too, not just the 5 extra years that mutants have gifted them. In the Council, Emma shares the memories that Scott gave her of Dr. Stasis being a Sinister, claiming to be the OG. Sinister runs like hell and gets ready to reset the timeline but his conversation with Destiny rings in his head. As the mutants close in on him, he's stolen away. Remember that AXE thing from earlier? And Emma is greatly unsettled by this. Pros are how this title has felt like something big has been just beneath the surface for a while, and I think we're almost there. Cons are that I wish Emma felt more central to this book in general. It seemed like it was all about hope, destiny, and sinister, but even that's been pared down. Now we have Marauders number four, the team learns history. I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. Early on, things are going wildly and Kate tries to protect Bishop, but she ends up dying instead. The team clears out a room of Crimson Kin and then discovers a Lupak. Psylocke uses her powers and we get the past of the first mutants. We learn about the first blood spilt. The team is now on a time and space heist that Tempo heavily warns them against. The team jumps and Nemesis grabs Cassandra Nova right away. Pros start with the team composition and the art. I really like how this team is used and assembled. It's such an interesting use of powers across a team. I also really have fallen for the art style. Cons are that it feels so disjointed from the rest of the X-Books, with the exception of Zandra's death, but even then it feels off. Also, Kate dying should feel like a much bigger deal than it actually was. Now we have a look at Moon Knight number 13, Moon Knight vs. Vampires. I gave this a 4.25 out of 5. Mark is on some shit, as is largely 
Taskmaster-narrated issue runs. He fries vampires in the daytime sun as he hunts down Tudor and his vampire pyramid scheme. Tasky is explaining to Tudor that you don't want to run up on Mooney. Mark continues his meetings with Dr. Sturman as Tiger and Reese trade some pointed insults. Also, Soldier is a vampire now. When Tudor asks Tasky to kill Moon Knight, Taskmaster basically laughs in his face, tells him fuck no, and that Tudor hasn't been listening to him at all. Masters warns Mark about what is coming as we get introduced to new villains Namine and Grand Mal. The issue ends with Mark, Steven, and Jake preparing for a little chat. Pros are so much. Pacing, story, vampires, Taskmaster, so much of this hits so hard. And even though there's no Alessandro, Federico fills in so well. Cons of that I can't believe that a dude would pay for good consulting and then not listen to it, but actually then maybe I, I can. Now we have a look at New Mutants number 27, Ileana meets young Ileana in Limbo. I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. There is a moment up front with Young Magic and Colossus, then we cut to the New Mutants fighting and getting taken. Ileana meets her younger counterpart. The team is jailed, and Peter is yanked into Limbo. They get together and then go rescue the team. They rescue the team, and young Ileana gives her present-day self an acorn dating back to 1983 deep cut. The team goes back, leaving young Ileana to deal with the work of growing up in Limbo. Pros are the art style on this, which I constantly love, and the expansion of the team in a way to add Colossus. Cons are how disjointed this story feels. It's kind of difficult to understand its place, but we'll see. Now we have a look at Savage Avengers number 3. The team fights off Deathlock with consequences. I give this a 2.75 out of 5. Daredevil plots a plan to stop the Deathlock. There's a lot of moving pieces, and they execute the plan perfectly. Conan gets a stab on him straight through the chest as Elektra attempts a spell to take control over the body via necromancy. Tulsa Doom shows up here, interrupting the spell, causing some problems for the Avengers here. The team gets knocked out, and Conan gets taken, and, apparently, this deathlock was once Miles Morales. Pros are how a good plan is executed, and then how it all goes wrong directly afterwards. I don't want the team to ever feel OP, and they don't. Deathlock being relentless is a nice touch. Cons are the confusing choice to make the Deathlock Miles. It's just a weird choice to me. Now we have a look at Wolverine number 23. The Wolverine Deadpool team-up ends. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. Logan and Wade end up back at Xavier's school, and as they walk, Deadpool asks Logan to help save Blind Al, who has terminal lung cancer. They cut through a bunch of robots and come up on Danger. Danger then uses saw blades to dice and puree Logan and Wade up on the floor. They combine in a gnarly body horror freak show splash panel. They eventually grow apart and go their separate ways. At the end, though, it looks like Wade joins X-Force after all. Pros of the writing on this issue. It's much better than prior issues, and it's also violent as fuck. Like the gruesome images in this issue. Just not for the faint of heart. Cons are that it feels a little excessive that Danger went through all of this just to beg them to be left alone. Finally, we have a look at X-Men Hellfire Gala number one. The new X-Men team is voted in. I gave this a 4.75 out of 5. Strap up, motherfuckers. This book is thick, and so is this breakdown. In case you're new, the Hellfire Gala is where the new X-Men team is voted on, and celebrities get drawn into books. Anyway, this opens with some training led by Ileana when Emma and the Council learn about the immortality secrets getting out. This sparks interest amongst Earth's heroes to go to the Gala. Moira, Dr. Stasis, and Orcus put their plan into place to infiltrate the Gala using Mary Jane Watson. 
Magic is tasked with keeping the five from attending the gala. Sink gets some updates because he keeps growing older when he uses his powers, while Cyclops tries to talk to Emma, who is pissed at him for upstaging her. There's a lot of tense moments, but one sticks out. Spidey notices something is off with MJ, and it sets off his Spidey sense. The five make it to the gala, and Proteus gets cornered by his quote-unquote mom and MJ's body, Moira. There are a lot of possibilities for AXE and beyond with some of the conversations at this party. Spidey and Doug figure out something is off with MJ, and when Spidey butts in, Moira gets made. She escapes, and that story apparently picks up in Amazing Spider-Man number 4. Scott tricks Emma into dancing with him, where he lays at his Dr. Stasis info on the table mentally. Emma tells Scott about Moira in return. The new team is finally voted on, and here's your new lineup. Cyclops, Gene, Havoc, Iceman, Firestar, Forge, Magic, and Sink. At the end, Moira goes to the Eternals, specifically Druig, and tips them off about the five. Pros of the density of this book. I think this is the longest breakdown I've done in a long time, and I left a ton of stuff on the page. It's got so much going on. I'd highly recommend picking it up if you're interested. It's spectacularly illustrated, and the writing funnels every X-Book recently together, making it one of the most fun books possible. Cons are that the resurrection story takes over so much, and there are no Arako mutants at the gala. Being that Storm is the regent of Soul, she should have been present, in my opinion. All right, now we're gonna hit this weekly ranking. There's 17 books, so you'll get seven and eight, respectively. Starting at number one, we have Daredevil number one. At two, we have X-Men Hellfire Gala number one. At three, we have Moon Knight number 13. At four, we have Immortal X-Men number four. At five, we have Superman Son of Kal-El number 13. At six, we have Fantastic Four number 45. And at seven, we have Wolverine number 23. And now for the bottom half, we have at eight, Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League, Superman number one. At nine, we have Batgirls number seven. At 10, we have Captain Marvel number 39. At 11, we have I Am Batman number 11. At 12, we have Wonder Woman number 789. At 13, we have AXE, Evil Judgment number one. At 14, we have Savage Avengers number three. At 15, we have Marauders number four. At 16, we have New Mutants number 27. And at 17, we have Future State Gotham number 15. As we start to wrap up, if you want to be on the show, hit us up on Twitter at SpiderMike29 or at The Twisted Cape. Looking ahead to next week, I'm looking forward to reading from Marvel, She-Hulk, number five, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number three, and Avengers, number 58. From DC, I'm looking forward to reading Flash, number 784, DC vs. Vampires, All Out War, number one, and Batman the Night, number seven. Follow us on all socials, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, all at the Twisted Cape. No spaces, and a link is in the show notes. We do a weekly show on YouTube, and we stream on Twitch at least once a week. As far as all the others, if you follow us, we'll follow you in return. If you really like us and our shows, feel free to grab some of our merch from TeePublic, which has a link in the show notes. Finally, feel free to shoot us feedback on this show to thetwistedcape at gmail.com, and make sure you use the subject line MTS. Thanks for tuning in, so until next time, mile high, fuck a first class, I'm the pilot. Stay safe, wear a mask, please get that vaccine, and most importantly, stay twisted. Fix that.